This is the Power Pies Podcast. My name is Sarah of Underground Crowds. We hit Bible topics, smash book studies, punch out some songs here and there, and light up his word to strengthen our souls. Thanks for listening. Um, We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3. That go-to book for some to keep everybody in line. Um... And really, if we dig a little deeper, it's not, it's more about keeping ourselves intact for the sake of furthering the gospel. It references men, it references women, but it's more about keep yourselves. The, the, even the, the language is keep yourselves, um, close to a form of what am I trying to say it's more about you grasping on to dignity you grasping on to your I mean people throw this word around too many times but your testimony um, about you keeping things under control in your house about you realizing what it means to be an ambassador of Christ not really a weapon. Um, how we twisted that, uh, how we we just took Paul's words and we locked people upside the head with it, I don't know. But um, I did it for a while. It was just like, you know, you want to know what you're about? First, second Timothy and Titus, you know, as a woman. Um that I mean, it was never I don't think Paul ever intended that his words be used as weapons against other people um, but it definitely is a good reminder I mean if you want to change your culture you need to visit you need to go to these books I mean how how are you you know even one of the verses we'll read it today but even one of the verses was like hi how are you gonna do this? taking care of the church thing, you can't even take care of what's going on in your house. Their language is centered on keep yourself in check. We have this freedom in in Christ. He just wrote a whole book about that in Romans. He's not discounting any of this. In fact, these people probably went way off left. Free for all. Every day is a is a party. This is club church we're throwing. And Paul, it's like a birthday party. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to a birthday party with just like a bunch of little kids and they're all excited. It's like all these people are super excited about knowing Christ and being in Christ. And Paul is like, all right, that's good, but this can get selfish. If you're only about you and you're and you're going to start living it up here on this earth, you're going to start living for yourself here. You've got this freedom in Christ. You need to use it to forward the kingdom of Christ. You've got this liberty. Don't let it go to waste. Order yourselves. Conduct yourselves. That's more the tone I'm seeing from Paul. Not bash people over the head 
and send them further into the ground. That's not really... That's sincere people who want to love the Lord and we just... We strip them so easily of all their dignity. And we have a serious lack of digni dignity in some churches. But the telltale sign is on the street, right? A serious, serious, we don't even know what dignity is. And we think we should be in the business of stripping people of their dignity inside the church doors. No. In fact, dignity is a word that God, that, that God, yeah, through Paul, several times uses in this chapter. Dignity. So let's define it first. And then we will read this chapter. The quality or state of being worthy, honored, esteemed. Every child of God that enters the church building is worthy, honored, esteemed, regardless if we want to believe it, regardless of what we know of their past, regardless of how much they stretch our nerves. I imagine all, you know, the four and five-year-olds at a birthday party. I'm not sure you know Jesus. Right? That's the sentiment we're like when, when the 15th cup of Kool-Aid is spilled over. We are so futile and so limited in our thinking that we can assess someone entirely by mistakes that we have witnessed. And Jesus knows all of our mistakes. From start to finish. And we think we can go around with our small scope, be around somebody for a small period of time, and know exactly what they're like. And our time frame is what? No. No. I remember one of the one of my uh, mentors when I was going to college who really uh, reached out to me. First of all, I was being thrown on the bus constantly by a family member that was calling in the student life office and getting me in trouble. For what? Who knows? But this guy, um, he didn't like the way I dressed. He didn't like the way I acted. He didn't like it. He, he really just had a hate problem. He just really had a hate problem. That's what he had a problem with. It wasn't me that was the problem. It was him that was the problem. So he would call. And so pretty soon this, this director of student life could see the force for the trees. And we became friends. But one of the things that he said in one of his classes was, you don't judge a person by this small time frame that you are around them. When they get to the end of their life, we are all at some stage. We are all at one step or the other on the ladder of growth and sanctification. We are all in process. We are all trying to get to the finish line. There ain't no way you can sum up, this is what I'm trying to say, sum up somebody in the seat in front of you 
with your small scope in any sort of entirety. That should humble us. We should think, oh, the God who knows everything I've done thinks I should treat people with dignity. Huh. Then First Timothy makes sense. So let's read. It is trustworthy statement that if any man aspires to be office of, to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. And the overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. Not his dignity, his kids' dignity. And his dignity, because we cannot, we cannot encompass dignity when we don't have it ourselves. I will keep reading and I will shut up. Then I will pray. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? This is verse 5, in case you're wondering. We're in chapter 3, 1 Timothy 3. And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside of the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The devil is mentioned. Dignity is mentioned multiple times in this passage, and so is the devil, because this position is under attack. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also be tested. Then let them serve as de deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith. That is in Christ Jesus. This is connected to the first verse. Put 1 and 13 together. It tells you what the qualifications are for this. But then the follow-up, the verse, the first verse, is it's trustworthy. It's, it's a fine work that he desires. But, I mean, and, for those who serve well as deacons, it gives you these qualifications, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith. Because I've always wondered, why do I want to be leadership when there's so much at stake? And it tells you why. Because this is leadership has not been a thing I've wanted. I mean, maybe some people are all about that, but I am not. There, there's so much responsibility and there's so much... You can't just do what you want. This is what this book is. You can't just do what you want. I'm just going to say it. It ain't about me. If I'm going to take on leader, if First of all, if I will keep reading. It first, first, 
if I am going to shirk this idea that God, and it's his idea, if it is his idea that, that God wants me in leadership, if I decide, which I can't, that, you know, and, and I've asked, God, can you please change your mind about this? It's just selfish. It's just selfish. Why? Because just to do whatever I want, that's what this chapter is about, just to do whatever I want in a posi position of leadership is selfish. And so basically, what was not was keeping me from this position of leadership? Because I was, I was selfish. Because I know what it entails. I can't just say whatever I want, do what I treat people with, however I want. Can't do it. Be immature. That was the. I mean. I'm just being an immature Christian for the rest of my yuck. First of all, yuck. Why would I want to hit up against those walls all the time? Yuck. But it took me longer than it should have to get my stubborn head around this bit of truth. Anyway, continuing, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the support of truth, of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He, he who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Lord, I pray that you help us grapple with this idea of dignity because it is so far removed from our cultural perspective. In fact, we have gone so far as to think that your desire is to strip people of dignity so that they can be, quote-unquote, humble enough in your service. But the two are, do not cancel each other out. And I ask that you would help us to just discern and to see Paul's heart in this, You ultimately yours. You spoke through him and you wrote through him and your spirit is ready to speak to us today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So dignity. We have we live in a time where people are... They believe with all their soul, with all their strength, with all their might that shedding any definition of male female, even what it means to be a child, that they, as, as they feel that, that these definitions are not free and that they need to rid themselves of these definitions in order to be free and they don't realize that they are falling out of the boiling water into the fire because Friend, you will never, ever be free of design, of God's purpose. And he will carry out what he has started on this earth. And he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. I was, I was reading somebody's post today 
and her answer for abuse and her answer for neglect and her answer for these un these circumstances that wreck us if you lived at all any time on this earth you know that there are situations that you never even dreamed were a possibility that happened to you and there's no way to deal with that other than to look for a solution and so her answer was know yourself more know yourself more get into how you're feeling about this more and now there's a certain sense and there's a certain dignity in knowing what our thoughts are knowing what our patterns are knowing what our strengths and our weaknesses are knowing what those thoughts are that lead us off the rail there is dignity in that but if we are finding solace in ourselves there is no hope there is none And so as we seek to undefine things and we run farther and farther away from a truth that will not move, we find ourselves farther and farther away from God, from the God who made us. Gave us all the dignity we needed, formed us with his hand, Psalm 139 in our mother's way with his own hands he picked up that dust and he made adam i'm sorry but you you don't need more dignity than to bear the image of the creator i tell my son all the time hun you do not have to even open your mouth i heard this from somebody on somewhere and it stuck with me you do not have to prove to anyone, not even yourself. Because if we're seeking self-validation, one of these days we are going to fail ourselves. I mean, have we not lived with ourselves longer than five minutes to know that we fail ourselves daily? But seek validation from the only one who can validate you and that is your creator and so I tell my son you don't have to open your mouth when you walk in a room you are enough you don't have to prove yourself to anyone I don't have to thank God I don't have to prove myself to myself because I gave up on myself a long time ago And thank God, I don't have to hope that definitions of all things will fall off. So that this fuzzy view of myself can be validated because you'll never get there. When I was 
scrolling, a lot of this pro-life stuff came up recently, and there was a woman who held up a sign that said, I wish my mother had aborted me. Other than the fact that she was standing there with a mask on. How sad. That our society, our culture can be so stripped of dignity. That someone not knowing who they are, not knowing whose they are, not knowing they were hand-formed. We are handmade in the image of God. Can think of themselves as a daffodil tomorrow and that be completely legit. I'm not, I don't think it's funny. I think it's incredibly sad that a, that a woman would wish she had never been born. But I'll tell you where not to look. I will tell you where not, not to look. For your dignity and your validation. And it is not in the absence of definitions. And it is not in yourself. And it is not in a church, friend. Or a religion. And it is not in another 24 hours of yoga. And it is not in this new fad diet you're going to try. And it is not in the next style you are going to follow to a T. And it is not. And it is not. Just fill it in the blank. That new sports regime. It is not there either. It's not. But it is in the eyes of the one who formed you. What? Oh, that's my son. There's where your validation is. Imagine with me, if you will, what it's like to put your validation, you know what it's like to put your validation in things that change? So the definition of daffodil is this today, it's gonna to be that tomorrow. You know what it's like to do that? Let me just give you a real picture. Because I need pictures. And I need this one. All those things that change, all those fad diets that change, all those exercises that change, all those meditation practices that change, the new, the new, the new, the new thing is, the new thing is this. New pop culture thing is this. Try this. Say you weren't alone for a house. It's your dream house. It's everything that you hope for. So you go to the bank and you tell the bank, well, I've got this, this, this in my account. <clears throat> this is why you should give me the loan. Well, let me just check to make sure. Well, no, now, now it's a little lower than, than what I just said. 
but you should still give me the loan. Let me check again. No, it's a, well, it changed a bit. It's a bit lower. Maybe it went up just a tad. I, I, but I still need this loan. Wait, wait, now it really dropped. So unstable. So unsure from one day to the next. And that is not how you were meant to live. Did God not make you to stand firm, to hold your head up? to realize whose you are and who you are for, the God who does not change. Check that bank account. It will never change. He has never changed and he will never change. The loan is that's coming through. You needn't ask. The work that needed to be done was done to restore you to him. That was through Jesus Christ. Verse 16, by common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Peace out. Again, thanks for listening. Catch the next part of this series, usually Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. You can also find Underground Crowds on Twitter, Patreon, Bandcamp, or undergroundcrowds.com.